This episode of CougarCast is brought to you by WaveformSleep.com. If you haven't gone to WaveformSleep.com by now, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Go check them out, WaveformSleep.com. It is this mattress that has speakers inside of it, transducers if you want to get specific. It is kind of funny that I have to plug my bed in. That's kind of a, it's kind of a thing, but it's so worth it. Uh, basically it's like, imagine it's like a Bluetooth speaker, you connect it to your phone, you connect it to like your Apple TV or Amazon fire stick. And what you can do is you link it up, you play sounds through it and it sends nice resonant sound waves right through that mattress. Ooh, yeah, feels good. So you want to check them out. Waveformsleep.com. This mattress is coming just around the corner <laughs> and uh, uh it's obviously it's it's a really exciting product uh really cool excited to report uh, to continue to see uh, many of our good listeners here going and signing up for that email list so if you haven't done so or if you haven't gone and checked out the video yet go just see more about it go to waveformsleep.com and now it's time for Cougar Cast. Greetings, my name is Keith Schertz, and this is Cougar Cast. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Cougar Cast. The Cougars are now bowl eligible. They are six and four on the season, and we'll be going to Hawaii. And you'll have a moment late. On Christmas Eve, where you're going to have to explain to the family why it is that you're not going to be... You know, actually, make it family fair. See if... Give that a shot. If you're like me, though, you might be trying to figure out how to keep everyone occupied while you sneak away to watch a little BYU football out in the islands. Of course, the best way to get away with it, I guess, is if you're fortunate enough, maybe just go to the game. Um, so the Cougars get a big win uh, against Idaho State, I guess, you know, because it, it made them bowl eligible. So congratulations to them. Uh, obviously, uh, Idaho State, you know, not the strongest of competition, not a team that um, you look at at the beginning of the year and think that there should be any problem. And there, there really wasn't much of a problem. Cougars were slow getting out of the gates. It was a punt fest after the first quarter, just lots and lots of punts. Um, Whatever the case is, uh, the Cougars ended up finding their groove and uh, going away with the game very easily. And I said in the preview for the Idaho State game that it was almost certain that UMass was a worse team than Idaho State. And I've got, I've got an expert, a college football expert to back me up on that. Jeff Sagarin, the Sagarin readings. They uh, they include both uh, Division One and Division Two, and Idaho State and Sagarin ratings 189th of all the college football teams in America. They're 189th. UMass is 225th. So, yeah, <laughs> UMass uh, Cougars are playing UMass and uh, going out east. Uh, for that exhibition 
uh, will have an opportunity to prove it again on, on the field. It'll be a great chance for people locally to see them. Now, if you are to watch this game, you can check it out by going and getting a $20 subscription to watch it on Flow, their little streaming network. My suggestion, just listen to Greg Rubel. You know, I, I feel like you should go back to the days... <laughs> go back to those those golden days where the way that you got sports was by listening to it on the radio. Uh, you know, imagine imagine being back in those days. And, and, you know, whatever era you picture yourself in, sitting next to the old radio, the transistor, trying to make sure that you have a good signal, you know, do that. Maybe, maybe this is the way to do it. This is what I think I'll be doing. I'll be turning on Greg Rubel. I'll be listening to him. And while that's going on, I will be, uh, you know, doing Christmas decorations uh, on the outside of the house. Hopefully I don't fall off any ladders and have anything uh, go wrong there. Uh, the same thing kind of goes for the Cougars. Same, same objective. Basically get in for this game against uh, UMass and just try to get out of there. Uh, get out of there with a blowout. Get a big lead early. Just stomp out any hope that UMass has. Get a nice lead uh, assert yourself and then try to get out of there with, with as few injuries as possible. Don't get banged up and get ready for that San Diego state game. And then of course you got the bowl game going. So again, try to avoid getting banged up in, in any way, shape or form. Uh, the only real thing, I'm not that alarmed about, um, what happened with, the offense and how slow they were to get out of the gate against Idaho State. I, I honestly I see that as they're playing Idaho State. They they I just think that they didn't have um, a whole lot of juice for that one. I I think that they're also maybe gonna struggle and to have juice for for this game as well. Um, I I just I didn't really see Zach Wilson. Um, you know, the struggles that he experienced and all that, I, I'm not going to read into it too much. It, it wasn't a good performance. Um, I don't think it's indicative of, of him, you know, not being <laughs> a good football player or anything like that. I, as you guys know, I'm more skeptical about his prospects of being, you know, a big, big, big time, you know, program altering, you know, one of these tent pole, you know, all timer type quarterbacks. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. I don't know that he fits into the all-timer realm. Of course, he's just a sophomore, but just reading off of kind of what he what he's done and what he's able to show. Um, obviously, the the heights were a, a perfect passing day in a bowl game, um, and you know he he got a win over USC. Made a couple really nice throws. His receivers made really good catches in that game. But the USC game, I mostly think about uh, two things. I think about the bad weather uh, that really affects road teams, hugely affects road teams. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Slovis, Keaton Slovis throwing interceptions. I think he had three in the game, uh, one inclu including one in overtime that sealed it away. Um, I, I see that as a, a USC kind of uh, made mistakes, and then the Cougars played well enough to, to seize on all that. Um, I think... And, and and we needed overtime, <laughs> so I kind of I kind of take a look at how that played out. But those are kind of those are like the two. I mean, we're we're several games into seeing Zach Wilson, you know, controlling things and and doing his thing out there. And um, 
we I feel like we've seen enough and should have seen enough by this point to feel like wow I mean like I, I feel like that spark would have shown there's really only one BYU quarterback who went on to be like super duper great who needed time uh, in a significant way um, to finally come around and, and start putting up really big numbers and then winning and so John Beck came out of the gates really slow um he he wasn't he wasn't very good he was like the third stringer he finally got it Matt Barry played and he got hurt and and then and then you finally got a chance to see John Beck and and basically he came in and he wasn't very good uh John Beck worked on his game then he had huge numbers with Todd Watkins and they were they were producing a lot of yards together um but he was still having a lot of interceptions and the Cougars weren't winning very many games and then Gary Croton went out the door, and then uh, and then John Beck was the full time guy uh, for that 2005 season, and and they go uh, seven and six that year, six and six, make a bowl game, so, and then I think they won the bowl. Yeah, they did win the bowl game that year, and then they went on to play the next year, and they had an awesome team, uh, maybe the best team since you know, oh boy, it's way up there. That's a really really good team, that 2006 football team. Um, Excellent team. So I I feel like with Zach Wilson, we kind of know where he is. And I think to outside of John Beck, we never really saw a guy um, improve to such extreme heights. <laughs> like it, it, people have usually come in and they have been what they have been. And then they... Um, have played at an extremely high level and they just kind of continue to do that and refine on that. Um, that's what the, that's what the, the all timers, they all did it by this point. They had proven it. So I, I kind of, I kind of, that's where I am with Zach Wilson. Uh, if he can, I hope he bucks the trend and I hope he's more of a John Beck. Um, Max Hall is the other kind of avatar that they use for that. Like Max Hall came in, he was a sophomore. He had a 3000 yard passing season. He won the mountain West conference. The team finished in the top 15. Like, you know, I, I, I just think that you see guys like that. And then Max had obviously two more seasons of, of being extremely solid, really, really good, really good. Um, <clears throat> and so it's unfair, you know, I mean, to compare him to like one of the four quarterbacks that had over, you know, 10,000 yards. But I, I, I just think sometimes I feel like we're casting Zach Wilson as that. And I feel like there's enough evidence in place to show that uh, he's he's not that. But I but I do think he's he's good. I do think that you can win football games. But again, um, the the super duper uber special that is probably not that's probably not Zach Wilson. Um, we'll see. He's got two more years to go. It's not going to turn up. He might have a really good performance again. Um, we he had the one really good performance, like all timer, eighteen for eighteen. But outside of that, you know, he's been solid. He's been really he's been really solid. Um, he's been fine, right? Even I'll even downgrade it a little bit, like. He's been fine. So I, I think that he's um, anyway. So I, I I worry I worry about. I just am putting that out as like a, a warning as you just as you evaluate 
statistically what it looks like, and then also what you've seen on the field, his um, desire to extend plays, uh, his decision-making, those things can get fixed and, and they need to get fixed. Um, but you know, in, th- in this guy's career, he's, you know, especially in the big games against Utah, who he grew up being a fan for, you know, he's thrown more, more interceptions to Utah or he's thrown more touchdowns to Utah than he has BYU. Uh, that would be three. He's thrown three pick sixes against Utah, uh, in his last two <laughs> games against them. So, um, I, I just think, I think generally you, you see you see players kind of equip themselves to a higher level than what you're getting from from Zach Wilson and and maybe you know if if you believe that he's you know even better than that then it's a question of how he's being used within the system that the the Cougars are running. Um, and I do think that there is some worry about. I think that the the more that they simplify things, the better the Cougars seem to play. And I think the big difference that you see in terms of what you get out of it's funny. The three quarterbacks give you three different kind of uh, feels. You have uh, Jaron Hall, who who gives you sort of like a uh, an athlete feel where he's going to not trust his arm as much of his leg as he trusts his legs. And um, he's going to try to feel the game in, in that way. You're going to have a guy like Baylor uh, Romney, who is going to be, uh, he's a, a good athlete as well. But the bigger thing that he's going to do is he's going to have his call. He's going to make his reads and he's going to trust him. And uh, he's going to go through his progressions, and as soon as, but he's going to make that decision. And the other thing that he does really well is he gets the ball out r- really quick. He doesn't mess around with it. He just gets the ball out. He runs the offense and and just trusts the scheme. And then I would say there's kind of a combo deal going on with Zach Wilson, where um, he will go through his progressions, but what he does is continue to try to extend plays so that instead of kind of just taking what what's there, he finds himself in spots where he tries to to go a little further, give a little more time, or maybe, you know, he's just looking for even uh, bigger windows for the receivers to go get the football. Baylor Romney doesn't worry about that. He just kind of he kind of puts the ball up and um and doesn't try to to kind of you know, manufacture more space or try to make more of a play. Um, he, he, you know, so he's kind of the, he just takes what's there and just, you know, has a real simple read with it and goes and, you know, his offense, as it's happened, he's been supplemented quite a bit by um, a lot of trick plays and uh, those trick plays have really worked. Uh, the execution on the trick plays has been very good. Um, and so I think that what you're going to see with Zach Wilson is that his style is still going to be in that place. And the question is, is he will really, really excel if he can get to a spot where he plays more like Baylor Romney, except for in moments of desperation. So if the Cougars are, are down and they definitely need this third and five, then 
that's when he needs to go to that gear of like extending plays and trying to really figure it out and, you know, give, giving you a better look instead of, you know, if he, if he wants to make it more playground ball at that point, that's fine. He just needs to pick his spots where he goes with that. And I think, I think that will really serve him uh, well, but I think he, if he can get to a point where he makes basic reads, commits to them pre-snap, uh, decides that he's got you know three at the max, three possibilities there, more likely two, and, and then be able to go ahead and, and just trust it and then trust his guy to go get that ball, trust his arm uh, and trust his guy. I, I feel like he can he can be effective in that way. Um, and so that'll be that'll be for me, you know a, a really interesting thing. That's kind of what my feeling is his approach. I feel like his approach is the thing that, that needs to get refined. The the last uh, BYU football thing, I'm not even really mentioning UMass. I, I really just, they're, they're really not good, <laughs> right? I mean, they're just not good. They Their recruiting has been so bad recently. They, they just don't have, um, they don't even have uh, enough players to fill all the scholarship spots for them. Uh, I, I was reading a story about how they had under-recruited. And so... They were, <laughs> they're literally, you know, struggling just even to have enough players um, that are on scholarship and of the quality to be a Division One player or even, you know, just a college football player, just period. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of uh, uh, respect for UMass I, I, uh, in terms of their football team. I, I don't think that you're going to see a whole lot uh, from them, I think the bottom has really fallen out on them, um, and BYU should be really comfortable, uh, even though they're on the road, even though it's East Coast, um, even though we lost to them <laughs> uh, in in 2016, no, nope, 17. Uh, even though we lost to them in 2017, you know, that's just by the way. Can I make a? Uh, this shouldn't be a hot take. But uh, I guess it might be. But if you if you look on Twitter, there's a whole lot of people saying that the depth that the B, for BYU quarterbacks is enormous, and I agree. Uh, I do feel like we have three quarterbacks that you can go out and feel pretty confident with, and that's pretty great. Uh, three though, not four. Like lest we forget, <laughs> uh, Joe Critchlow is the owner of four interceptions against UMass at home. And was only able to produce 10 points against the Minutemen. So um, this idea that we have, you know, oh, four, four quarterbacks that any group of five school would, any of them could start at any group of five. So that's nuts to me. Okay. Um, Critchlow has won a game. <laughs> Congratulations to him. Uh, Squally, if you recall the game that he won, the uh, two the two games he won, Squally Canada had over 200 yards rushing. So, I, I think, um, I think it's a little overblown. That's it. That's it. Lastly, let's talk Kalani Satake. Uh, Kalani has been extended. Uh, he got a three year extension. So Kalani is going to be the head man at BYU for seven years in total. Uh, so. Uh, that ends the the speculation on it. This is what I think you can expect um, out of Kalani. I I think that there's a lot of people um, who are saying that there isn't enough uh, support for him and his staff. And 
there's sort of this like mythical uh big brother type power <laughs> that is getting blamed for the lack of success at BYU um more than players more than coaches more than Tom Holmo it's it's this this overall the man type thing the man is out to get us uh because because you know Tanner Mangum only had the indoor practice facility available to him for four hours a day <laughs> instead of 24 hours. I, I think, uh, I, I just think there's lots of places you can throw a football in practice. You know, there, there isn't just the one. And I do uh, feel like there are enough facilities that are only football specific on campus. Um, and so, that's, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like to complain about the facilities, the structure, the ministry, I just think it's nuts. I think they, they have done a tremendous amount to try to be supportive of this program. I, I just, I just disagree. I disagree strongly with the idea of some extra, uh, uh, unknown, <laughs> i.e. maybe even just the church, right? But that they don't support the football team because they expect uh, grades to be at a certain point, the honor code to be at a certain point, and or whatever. I I don't know. It it doesn't it doesn't fully stack up to me. I, I feel like there's been more support to try to make this you know um, this football team really successful. Uh, I think that as I I mean I've been working on my all decade podcast. And as I look at over the decade, I mean, I, I just think that there, the amount of wage increase that has occurred, according to what's uh, been reported, uh, is enormous. The, the amount of money that Kalani um, and his staff makes is, is much more than it was um, just dating back even 15 years ago. Uh, I, I think that if you take a look at uh, all the work and effort that's been put into BYU Athletics um, I, it doesn't make sense to me that we are able to support and help all the other programs on campus, but for some reason, the uh, and understand what what's needed in terms of facilities and coaches and everything else for all the other programs seem to be on the rise and doing well, and that doesn't seem to be the case, you know. On the other side. So I, I don't, I really, you know, for the marquee program, I, I, I just, anyway, I, to me, it's, it's, it just becomes the most um, ridiculous thing because nobody knows any of the details. And, and so it makes it so that you can blame this unknown power. Okay. And, and, and ignore the fact that there's stadium improvements, ignore the fact that there's lots of facilities, ignore the fact that the football team has private tutoring, ignore that the football team has their own facilities and buildings. And, uh, and the, and the only, you know, thing that they do have to share is the indoor practice facility. Like if the, if the claim here is that because, because they don't have unfettered access to the indoor practice facility, uh, that's why the Cougars have won 59.8% of their games for this decade. That's nuts to me. Like, that's an absolutely crazy. That's like, wow, we are really digging, right? Like, there's so many other factors that play into that. So many other factors 
that play into wins and losses uh, far more than you don't get unlimited access to the indoor practice facility though you do have unlimited access to your own field that's next to the student-athlete building. You have unlimited access to your... You, you, like, it's crazy. So, um, the extension for Kalani is is what it is. Uh, Tom Homo has made his decision. Um, I think that... My only reason to feel funny about it is is that I think that we know what we have. I think, I think that uh, sometimes you have to know what your cards are. And, and be able to kind of take a look and evaluate where you're at and, and kind of see where things go. Um, and I think after four years, uh, I, you know, um, I don't want to hear anymore that, uh, that Kalani doesn't have his guys. He has his guys. Um, now it's not that he doesn't have his guys. By the way, I hate that concept. If you take a job somewhere, those are your guys, Right. <laughs> like as soon as you decide to be the coach at a new school, like Mark Pope, you know who his guys are like TJ Hawes and Yoli and Zach Sellett. Like all of these guys have now become his guys. They have to be. That's why he took the job, right? Like these guys that you take over, they're your guys. You're not waiting for these are your guys. Like that's, you know, wild to me that that is used as as such a a frequently cited thing um but you know you you know how i feel on this i think that kalani satake uh is um obviously a a great personality uh, a good person that let the record show yes sure i think the issue with him and what we've seen and you know, and, and people worry that, you know, he, he certainly is the best option that the Cougars have. I, yeah, I guess, you know, I, there's a part of me that's tempted to see what somebody else might be able to give you, uh, simply because I just feel like, and it could be worse. It could be worse, but it could be better. And it might just be the same. I, you know, but I'm, I don't know. I like to roll the dice on stuff like that. I, I'd rather, I'd rather try to be in a process where I felt like maybe we'd get something else that we'd like. And this is the the thing I don't like um, with Kalani is just that it's it's the Kalani coaster idea. It's it's the inconsistency. It's the you don't know what he's going to get. And and it comes not only from his team, but it's from Kalani himself. I mean, on the sidelines and and his demeanor on the sideline, his management of games, whether they're going to go for it or not go for it. I don't think that he has an idea of what he's going to do or has any sort of philosophy to it. I think it's, I think it's all feel, <laughs> you know, I, I, oh, it'd be fun to get it right now. Wouldn't it? Let's, let's try. Right. Um, or I, I just, that I don't know it doesn't appear to, that there's any sort of structure or rhyme or reason when it comes to some of those decisions or, um, so that, that's the concern. Um, I don't, I don't expect uh, anything to have changed within the next three years, right? I, I just don't really see a spot where we're three years from now and we're going absolutely. You have to, con- you know, you you have to extend Kalani Sataki. You've got to find a way to hang on to him for as long as you can, right? I think we'll we'll go. Okay, well, I guess we'll. I guess we'll keep this going. I mean, he's he the the kids seem to like him. 
the team makes a bowl game and uh and uh he's a good ambassador of the program right and and if that's what's important if that's the key then yeah he should be the head coach forever if you're looking to finish in the top 25 if you're looking to be the best team in the state of Utah if you're uh in a spot where you're trying to get to 10 11 12 wins maybe not cuz there's too much inconsistency there to be um, truly <laughs> top-level great, in my opinion. Uh, I think the Cougars um, just, you know, obviously it's play here, play there, and people look at it in that in that sense. On this year, you know, uh, where people say, "Well, uh, what, what?" I mean, you've seen that a lot of that, I'm sure. If you're listening to this, like, you know, well, if we would have beat Toledo, if we would have beat USF. You know, we're probably in the top 25. Yeah, probably. But you didn't. <laughs> like, you did it, and you had a chance against Toledo. Did have the ball at the end with the chance. Did have a chance against USF, right? But it, it didn't go your way. It did go your way against USC. It did go your way against Tennessee. All right? You did hold on right at the end of the game against Boise State. So it's gone Kalani's way more time than it hasn't this year. Three, uh, three times out of the five games. Then the, the the rest of them haven't been close, right? Utah and and uh, Washington weren't close. Uh, and the uh, and the um, and the Utah State and of course the Idaho State game they they weren't close. So, um, but the point is 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 that. It could go either way. He's gotten his fair share of breaks. I think he's gotten, uh, as I've covered in the past on this, in terms of games that are won at the last bit, uh, last play, he's had a, a huge amount of those games, more than Bronco had during his tenure. Uh, but, you know, in Bronco's like 12 years, uh, Kalani's had more of them in his first four years, which, you know, it's been fun and exciting, but it also means it it can go, you know, all sorts of different ways. And so you have teams where, you know, the variance between being a, a an eight or nine win team versus maybe being a five win team is, is so thin. And it, fortunately, the ball bounced. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's that's uh, ultimately like you give credit, like the wins are the wins and they've happened. So, OK. Uh, three more years of Kalani Satake. We'll we'll still cover it. We'll still watch it and and be passionate about it. But the the idea that the idea that that uh, there's going to be something that gets unlocked and some corner that gets turned, I I I struggle to see that. I struggle to see that uh, mostly because you see program changing coaches have an effect and have a massive season, have a big season at some point within their first four years. Um, we haven't seen that. Um, and you know, uh, that's okay. Again, I ultimately like you, you have to be pleased, right? <laughs> the kids seem to like him. The kids seem to enjoy the, there isn't problems with honor code. There is an embarrassment to the school. There isn't, he's a good ambassador of the school and they get to play an extra bowl game. And so the team makes money and, you know, uh, 55, 58,000 people are coming to the game every week. So, like, you know, what else, what else do you want? Right. And, and, and so if you, if that's, if that's what we're looking at, then that's great. Right. 
and you can't get away from that. And then he should be. If that if that is the goal, then he should be extended, and we we should try to hold on to him for a long time, right? But if we're trying to get him to have um, some some of the Lavelle years or some of the Bronco years, um, I I struggle to see it, right? So that's that. Okay, to wrap up the show, um, the last thing I wanted to just cover quickly here. Uh, BYU basketball is off to uh, a weird start. Two and two. Uh, every single game is just a... <laughs> uh, it's a trick-or-treat team. Uh, you, you just don't know what's behind door number two, right? It's like playing Let's Make a Deal. I, I, I have no idea. Um in terms of where they're at and what they can do. There's been a few things that I've been impressed with. Um, First of all, Mark Pope, very tall. (laughs) He looks imposing on that sideline. I don't think I've, I don't, I know that tall guys have been coaches and like Patrick Ewing, you know, has been coaching at at Georgetown. So I've seen him over there a couple times. It is jarring though. There's very few coaches as tall as Mark Pope because there's very few people as tall as Mark Pope. Um, but I, I do, I do take a look at, at, you know, Pope when he stands on the sideline and he does, he seems, he just seems so big over there. So anyway, that's been kind of, it's been weirding me out. It's been weird not to see Dave Rose there on the sideline either. I got real accustomed to him. It felt like family to me. I really liked Dave Rose. Um, the, in terms of the players, there's a few things that I've noticed that I think, um, are a little bit weird. Uh, that are happening with uh, BYU basketball. Uh, the the first is the ball isn't zipping around as much as it needs to. Uh, I I feel like the ball must get covered in honey or something when it gets to Jake Toulson. Uh, he he seems to, to hang on to it. Now he's he's very good. Uh, he didn't come to BYU to not be the man. He he came here to try to be the man, and he's had a couple good outings. Um, but. You know, I little little did I think that he was going to be this. You were going to try to replace the inside scoring for the Cougars of Yoli with Jake Toulson. Uh, I just couldn't have imagined. Um, you know, but his ISO and you know post up game and all stuff. That's just, I, it's just a bad idea. I, I don't think he's. Anyway, very very few people on the planet should be doing that. Okay. Um, I think that uh, I think that the same could be said also of TJ. I think TJ gets it gets a little sticky with TJ. Not as it doesn't seem to be as ball stoppy with TJ, but it it certainly happens um, with TJ. But both of them, the combination of the two of them, it's just lethal. Uh, and and BYU is not scoring a lot of points. It's, it is the most wild thing to think we're in year one away from Dave Rose. And while Dave Rose was always able to figure out and how to how to manufacture a lot of points, he, he wasn't good at getting stops. It seems to be kind of the opposite early on. It seems like BYU can get some stops, uh, but they really struggle to put it through the hoop. And I, I, so much so that it makes me wor- worry um, a little bit about the idea that, well, as soon as Yoli comes around, all will be solved. Um I think that, uh, and and you never know, right? Maybe maybe so. 
maybe it will be a massive, massive impact. That That's possible for a lot of reasons. Um, but I, I do think, because Yoli's really good, right? I mean, he's really good. Uh, I By the way, I have a top, you know, I've, I've paid attention to it. I have rankings and stuff. He's He, he could finish pretty high, um, but right now he's a top 40 guy for me. I think he, I, uh, the last I remember looking at, he's 33rd. So I, I think, uh, I think obviously, Yoli is one of the better players to ever come and play at BYU. And, and has room to grow on his legacy. Uh, and, and that can certainly change the way an offense looks in terms of maybe freeing up, you know, Toulson, or freeing up uh, Haas, or maybe Barcelo gets some more looks, or maybe you'll you'll see more from Celius, or maybe, you know, uh, Connor Harding. It is weird, though, to feel like kind of the balance of the season is resting on Zach Celius, I feel like. If Zach Celius has a great game, BYU is going to be tough. <laughs> and so you remember how he said BYU is going to be trick or treat this year. I, I just I feel like um, that's been what Zach Celius has been. <laughs> but if Zach Celius goes out there and finds a way to get you 12, 15 points and and six rebounds, like you, you probably probably going to win that game. Um, and so. His production off the bench and against the other team's second unit and bringing that energy, uh, he, he in a lot of ways has seemed pretty key to me uh, for BYU. The other guy is Harding. I, I want to see Connor Harding get more assertive offensively. But again, um, he, he boy, he, he just doesn't get the basketball all that much because it just it does. The ball is not zipping around and moving the way it ought to. Um, so there you go. The next uh, thing for the, and also, you know, the Boise State game, obviously disappointing losing overtime. The Houston game, they win on a buzzer beater. So it's really close games. They're finding a way to be competitive and be right in it. Um, and so, you know, it's easy to assume that if Yoli's there, you get propped up quite a bit. You know, we, we snuck by Southern Utah. Um, and then, you know, obviously the season opener uh, went pretty easily. But I, I do think that uh, against. Uh, the Titans of uh, Cal State Fullerton. Uh, so two and two, yeah, you're going into Maui, uh, awesome environment. Uh, I I had a chance to go to the last Maui Invitational. Unfortunately, not going to be at this one. Uh, will be at the next one for BYU if they get invited back again, um, or when they do. Uh, obviously, they open with uh, UCLA. UCLA's gettable. Uh, they have a, a new coach. UCLA is kind of a weird scenario. They hired Mick Cronin from uh, Cincinnati to be the head coach there. Mick Cronin's style of basketball and like his attitude going to UCLA is kind of hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't. It'd be like Rick Majerus coaching at BYU. It, it, there's just it doesn't seem like there's any sort of crossover fit uh, there. But maybe that's what UCLA needs. Uh, Cougars could win that game. I, I like our chances in that one. Uh, really big that they do because if you win, you you likely avoid Chaminade, uh, which is bad for your RPI. And uh, a win over Chaminade is going to be worse for your RPI than a loss to Kansas in the second round. So that, that UCLA game actually turns out being um, a, a pretty darn important game. Um, 
because you can also put some tape in to show that you know you, you held it close with Kansas without Yoli Childs or something. Like those things will matter when when the committee starts splitting hairs because this is a bubble team at best. So we we need to start building that bubble resume now because uh, even if they get to their best scenario, they, they're going to be right on that bubble and the committee's going to have to decide. I, I don't see them. Uh, obviously winning the conference over Gonzaga. St. Mary's has a very good group. And then, of course, you all know how conference tournaments go for BYU basketball. Uh, and then, obviously, on the other side of the bracket, so you don't know who you might see, um, but you're going to either see UC- – so you're definitely getting UCLA. You're either going to get Kansas or Chaminade. And then on the third day, you're going to get either Georgia, Dayton, Virginia Tech, or Michigan State. And so – uh, probably, probably either Virginia Tech or Georgia, I'd guess. I think Dayton is, I like the Flyers. Uh, so I, anyway, I, I think that, I think that BYU, uh, have an opportunity to, to go down there. Now Maui has been, uh, was tough last time. All three, well, two, two of the games, the game against Purdue and San Diego state down in Maui last time were absolutely heart heartbreakers. They were just tough games. And of course the game against Chaminade, Chase Fisher went absolutely berserk. It's a bizarre arena. Um, it sits up on the on a hill over Lahaina. It overlooks a beautiful ocean, um, and 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 the Lahaina Civic Center has the way the locker rooms are set up. Um, the buildings, kind of, the court is kind of on this this. Uh, it's set up at a, at a level, and then one locker room is half a floor up, and the other locker room is half a floor down. So like one team is a above the other team and and they have to like take turns getting into the getting in and out of the locker room and um and it's just it's small and intimate there are there aren't that many people there it is it's a you know it's a it's a weird it's kind of a weird environment it's awesome if you ever had a chance to go it, it's great it also it provides you a chance to if you you know if you go it gets you a chance to be like right behind. So I remember I was right behind the BYU huddle, and I could literally hear what Dave Rose was saying to the team in the huddle. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, some of the, some of the stuff. And T- Tyler Hawes was so great, and uh, and he was there, and he was he was just awesome, man. He was just awesome. Um, just seeing seeing how hard he just to be that close. My point is is I need a lot a lot a lot more money. Uh, to be able to go and, and get that close uh, at BYU games, and even then, and even then, you're not gonna be able to get behind the bench and and be close to the BYU bench in that way, uh, like you can when you go to these uh, midseason things. I, I'm also a fan of Stanford. I, I had a similar experience. I went and saw Stanford once at a at a midseason tournament like this when they were playing in Orlando. Um, at the Advocare International <laughs> uh, tournament, it was in Orlando at, at Disney World. And uh, it, anyway, it, if you ever have a chance to go to one of these midseason tournaments with a, a lot of good programs like Maui or or any of them, um, honestly, it, it, if you're a sports fan, I, I would put it way up there because the access that you're going to have to great seats, because it's usually general seating, uh, is is incredible. Uh, the, the venues don't have all that many people. There's lots of, fa- uh, there's fans from both teams there. So that's, there's not necessarily lots of them. There's fans from both t- teams there. So that's kind of fun. And then the, the other bit is, is, you know, you, you'll, you'll meet people. Um, you get a chance. Like I, I enjoyed the BYU versus, uh, 
Purdue game, I was sitting right next to Frank Bartley's dad. So <laughs> I was next to Frank Bartley the third, not the fourth. The fourth was on the floor, not not getting any minutes. Um, <laughs> so there you go. There, there's there's that. I, I do think do think BYU may come away with two wins. Uh, obviously, to go there and get zero and three would be a, a disaster. Um, I, I I don't think that that's the case. There's enough firepower for the Cougars uh, that if if the shots are falling through the hoop. They they really can you know give people a, a real run for their money, but you know I I do think that there needs to be more work to try to open up looks for one another and and more trust put in one another. And right now I, I'm not seeing as much trust being given by the two stars aren't trusting the other guys to to put the ball through the hope as much as I would hope. Um, and so there, there just needs to be more of that uh, that's built in. But, um, but yeah, I, I think. And then the other thing is, I think that that I think that Mark Pope does some smart things. Um, and I, I've enjoyed watching his teams play and compete. Uh, the one thing I, that I don't like so far that I've noticed is he's a let it ride uh, coach. He's he's a guy that doesn't like to call timeouts and get a set play. Uh, and, and try to get a specific look before the buzzer. He likes to uh, be in that spot. We've already, fortunately, we fortunately, in one case, and I guess unfortunately, the other, we we've been in circumstances where um, the BYU has the ball with 30 seconds left, and and we got a chance to win the game uh, on the last play. And he doesn't call timeout. It's not something that he does. Uh, and so far, uh, the play has been to get Jake Toulson the ball and let him go to work uh, against Houston. The ball was stolen from him. And then Houston had a carrying call, which meant the ball was sideline out of bounds. And it was at that point that they decided to get the ball to TJ and he hit the shot to win. Uh, the other one that they did is again, they gave it to Toulson. There was 25 seconds left in game against Boise state and Toulson stood 30 feet away from the basket at the top of the key. He dribbled for 20, 20 seconds until there was five seconds left to move, he made about three, uh, you know, hard dribbles towards the lane. Did a step back jumper uh, at about the free throw line, and of course he, he was short on that. And they went to overtime, and um, <clears throat> it didn't go well. But I I, I just kind of feel like you're a coach. There there's a lot of ways that you can impact a game, but one of the ways that you can really seem to be effective at the end of games. I, I'm a big guy that believes in, you know, your coach, you've worked your whole life to get to the Division One coaching spot. Like, trust your ability to draw something up and get your guys a look. Um, I think that college players are good, but I don't trust them to be uh, so good to, you know, be in that pressure point to just figure out what needs to be done and, and find a way to get it. I, I, I like the idea of, of setting things together imposing your will on the game and giving your identity to the game as a head coach. Uh, I'd like to see, I think Mark Pope is smart, knows how to do those things. So why would he take himself out of the equation? It's winning time. It's, it's time to draw something up to get us a look, to get us an easy basket. And um, Mark Pope takes himself out of the scenario uh, in, in favor of, of asking his players to figure it out on the fly. 
I think, you know, obviously the assumption is is that it also makes the defense have to figure it out on the fly. But, um, you know, I feel like <laughs> I feel like defenses, you know, can't can't figure those things out. I feel like defenses uh, aren't going to adjust what they're doing to some significant degree. Um, defenses react. Offenses cause reactions. Um and so to give clear idea about what the offense should do in order to force uh, more decisions to be made and more things to react to from the defense, that that's a place where I feel like a coach can really be influential. And by the way, I mean, the college basketball is a coach-driven game. Sh- sure, you need the players and all those things, but at the end of the day, it is so strongly influenced by the best coaches, um, not only because they're paying all their players, but also because they are <laughs> able to impose and put their identity, their knowledge onto the basketball floor. And, and coaches that do that more effectively uh, win way more games. And, and the coaches that are, are, are willing to, to put themselves on the floor in that way uh, tend to be extremely successful and, and tend to, tend to you know, get a lot further. So I, I think that that's a, a mistake. He's a young coach. I think he's only had a, uh, this is his third year coaching, obviously first at the Y. I, I, I just feel like <clears throat> it's his, as a head coach, you, you all understood. But the, the point though is, is I think, I think that he ought to take a look at trying to figure out how to, how to put, you know, his experience, his will, his everything else, um, into the basketball game. I mean, the guy was a, a team captain on a national championship team, um, who won some pretty tight games and some tight and squirrely spots? Why, I, why would why would we not want him? Why would we want Jake Toulson to be the guy to figure out what to do when it's winning time instead of Mark Pope? That that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of CougarCast. Uh, enjoy putting up your Christmas decorations. Don't don't if you're gonna spend twenty if you're spending twenty dollars on flow. To, to watch the Cougars play, you are, wow. You know? Wow. <laughs> play you, you. I would, look, I've spent way more than $20 to watch BYU play. To, to watch them play UMass, right? When you can just turn on the radio. Just turn on the radio. Check Twitter. There'll be some highlights that are posted. <laughs> I, I Anyway, uh, that that's... Uh, that's my read of it, at least. So, uh, I, if I were you, I would. Uh, that's what I. My plan is is to to listen in and enjoy uh, and enjoy feeling nostalgic for the days of of uh, you know maybe a Paul James call and uh, <laughs> and and enjoy and enjoy the broadcast in that way. So, um, yeah. All right, that's it for this episode of CougarCast. Check out uh, waveformsleep.com. Thank you to our sponsor, waveformsleep.com, for their belief in the program. Thank you to you, the listener, for hanging in there with us uh, this week. Um, we got a couple really more exciting weeks coming. Uh, I think the Cougars will be completely comfortable. Uh, again, it's avoiding the injury bug. That's the big one. Uh, and and I, think, uh, I think that uh, the basketball team will give you uh, some fun things to think about uh, over the over the the Thanksgiving break, so uh, get geared up for that, 
and uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Uh, email me as well. If you uh, want to react to the show, uh, email me, cougarcast at gmail.com. And also, if you have any anything for the all-decade teams, what is your all-decade football team, your all-decade basketball team, send it to me, cougarcast at gmail.com. All right, thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time.